This is Industry Matters, powered by BGM, a post-acute healthcare podcast about community, connections, and belonging. BGM is a member service organization serving durable and home medical equipment providers and manufacturers. BGM also has communities for respiratory, complex rehab, women's health mastectomy, home accessibility, therapy, and orthotics and prosthetics industries. With BGM, you're part of something bigger. In this episode of Industry Matters, Senior Director of Payer Relations for VGM Government, Rhonda Burmester, and Dan Fedor, Director of Reimbursement and Education for U.S. Rehab, talk about lists, the master list, prior authorization, face-to-face, and written order prior to delivery. They cover the differences between the lists, recent changes with codes being added and removed from the lists, the timing of additional changes, and what all of these updates mean for your business. Rhonda and Dan, thank you so much for being on this episode of Industry Matters. And today we're going to talk a little bit about um, all of our favorite things, the master list, prior, prior authorizations, and the required list. And there's some new codes that got added. So, of course, that means changes for our membership. So, again, thank you so much to both of you for being with me today. Well, thank you for having us. We always appreciate sharing this information with our members. Well, we are going to dive right in. And Rhonda, I'm going to start with you. So CMS recently issued an update to the condition of payment program. And before we get into that recent update, let's, like we like to do, we like to review that history of the program so we know where we're coming from. So give me that breakdown of that history. Absolutely. This is important to know because this program actually started back in January of 2020. So a few years ago, um, CMS, what they did was they combined a lot of lists that were out there. There was a separate list for ACA requirements with that Affordable Care Act 6407. We had some codes that were already a prior off list on a required prior off list. And we had some codes that were um, maybe needed a written order prior to delivery and a face-to-face. So there was a lot of stuff that was being juggled around in addition to all the different orders that existed. And what CMS did in 2020 was they combined all those lists and a lot of those requirements under one ruling that they call condition of payment program. And in January of 2020, when they released all the different lists again, which it's a combination of a master list, which we'll talk about, then we have a required list, and then we have a face-to-face written order prior to delivery delivery list. They just defined all of that, so they're trying to organize it better. Um, so when they came out with that, they said, okay, here's the new program, and they released that um, in the CMS ruling 1713. That was the initial ruling. Um, and they said, now come spring, we're going to release more information that will be required. Well, spring of 2020, we all know what happened that thing that we call the pandemic started and uh, caused some chaos since then, and we're still in it. So there was a quite a bit of a delay with them releasing more information up until recently is when they, um, this past month in January is when they added more information. So that's kind of the history of it, um, of how this all started. But we'll dive deeper into what all of it means, but it's just important to know that this actually started back in January of 2020. 
Okay. So I love it when you're like, there's this list and there's this list. <laughs> uh, I think simplification of these lists would be a great thing. Um, so Dan, let's talk about the master list of codes. Again, it's it sounds a little bit confusing. I know this is your guys' world, but for us that don't live in it day to day, what exactly is the master list and how do codes end up on this master list? Not the required list, but the master list. Yeah, Mandy, you're correct. It is confusing. And we are already getting a lot of questions about this. What what does this mean? Um, what are the differences between the lists? And, you know, as Rhonda said, this was back from January of 2020. We were all expecting it shortly after. But with the pandemic hitting, it's been delayed until just now, until it was just released on January 13th. So the master list is exactly what it says. I mean, it is a master list of codes that have the potential to be pooled to the required list, which then they can actually implement, um, as you as you you mentioned, you know the face to face, the written order prior to delivery, and the prior authorization requirement. It it moves it like levels. Think of it that way. The master list means there's the potential. This list has been identified as potential to be pulled to a required list to then have other requirements that are necessary before you can provide the item. Or, or within the file for the item, for the code. So that's kind of, I know that <laughs> may not help with the confusion, but um, hopefully it does. Uh, and again, if any of our members listening to this, if you have any further questions about it, please, we can go one-on-one -on -one with this with uh, either of us. I just wanted to add on to that master list. Again, what we call the potential list. So nothing's required from that list yet. It's just a list of codes. This list of master or a master list of codes can change annually. So CMS will look at um, a lot of data. I mean, when you read the Federal Register and the guidelines behind how a code can end up on the list, there's a variety of ways that they can add that based off of, you know, some of the data they're collecting and reviewing. But that list can change annually. And why that's important is because it did change this year. They removed some codes and they added more codes, you know, so they added... Um, for those people that do urinary catheters, they added, added the A4352. They even added some CPAP supplies. So the full face mask and the full face interface, the A7030 and 31. So they added those codes, but they also removed some codes. Like, um, strangely enough, they removed one of the catheter codes, the 4351 code. So just know that this list can change annually um, up to CMS's discretion based off the data that they do collect. And again, it's a potential list. So it's not a list you need to worry too much about yet, right? So it's the other list that we'll talk about that um, you have to be more concerned about. Just one more thing on that that Rhonda mentioned. That, that's great, Rhonda. Um, good information there. The and You mentioned I, codes being pulled off the list. So another example is the K1 standard manual wheelchair. Uh, prior to January 1st of 2020, it was requiring a face-to-face -face examination through the Affordable Care Act. It's pulled off the master list now, so there's no potential for that to be put on a required list and require that in the future, have any, any of that uh, requirement of uh, a face-to-face -face, uh, in the future. I feel like the word of the day is lists, and there is a lot of them floating around. There is. So, Rhonda, can you try and break that down for us? I mean, I know I should say try. I know you can break it down, and I should say try to make it so we can understand it. Yeah. Um, and what other lists we're looking at here? 
Yeah, and this is where it gets all confusing, and I, I can understand that if when, especially when you live in the world that our suppliers live in, everybody's you know living on edge because of all the audits and all the requirements that are out there. You don't want to mess anything up, so it really is confusing. But um, what happens from that master list, CMS will determine what codes will end up on two other lists. And right now we have a required prior authorization list, which has been around. So for those of you that deal with the PMD category, the power mobility devices, most of those codes had been on a prior authorization list for quite some time. For those of you that do group two support surfaces, there are five codes there. Those codes have been on a prior authorization list for a couple of years now. And then lower limb prostheses, they added those before it was before the pandemic hit. There are six codes on there. They were on that prior off list. So those codes already existed. What they did with this new release, they added more codes to that. So there's a required prior off list. And then the other list that has requirements is called the face-to-face -face written order prior to delivery. While any item that you build a D to the DME Max require face-to-face, -face, what's different about this list is, is the face-to-face -face written order prior to delivery list is there's specific guidelines for timing. So once the doctor writes a written order, there has to be a face-to-face -face within six months of that order being written. Um, and there's certain codes that they added to that list. Um, so that's where it can get confusing is what list is it on? So if you do um, any, for prior authorizations, you need to pay attention to that list, which is your power mobility devices. The codes they added were um, codes in the ortho orthoses world. So some knee and back bracing codes. And some of those codes are part of competitive bid. Um, with the PMDs, they added the scooter codes, which I know everybody wanted those, the POVs on there. Um, so that's what they added to the prior authorization list. And then the face-to-face -face list, um, the face-to-face -face written order prior to delivery list, um, obviously the PMD codes were already requiring that because that's in a, um, it's a statute for them. Um, but they added six, other codes, which are some of the orthosis codes and then the bone stimulator code. So that's where it can be confusing. But don't fear, we'll be even doing a webinar on the, all this information in March. So um, as we gather more data, we'll be breaking it down even more. I'm sure you have some stuff to add here, Dan. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Thanks. That's great. Great info, Rhonda. You always dig deep into that. And with... Um, you know, with the, the scooters, I just want to mention about those. Um, I deal a lot with the mobility side of it. Scooters were uh, on a, on the list and required a prior op several years ago and were removed uh, temporarily. They're back now, so they will go live uh, on April 13th. And as Rhonda said, we're going to do a webinar on this, you know, to, to dig deeper into it even and show the process and all the timelines and everything like that, which we'll talk about later in this podcast as well. But yeah, we will. Um, the scooters are there. I know a lot of mobility members are excited. Uh, prior auth is a good thing. You know, it's good to have that. You know, before you deliver, uh, eliminate some of the risk that you have uh, in delivering the product. So uh, we're excited that they're back on the list, and we'll talk more about that. Then we have some of these codes and some other categories that also require prior authorization, especially when some of these new codes are added that you just mentioned. Can you talk a little bit more about those codes as well? The codes that they added for the orthosis um, that will be implemented in phases for the, this particular area. So you have five codes in the orthosis 
area that will require a prior authorization. And again, some of those codes are part of competitive bid as well. So those are for the contracted suppliers that do these. Um, but they'll phase those in because this is a new product category that's being added to the prior authorization list. Um, that's why they're phasing it in. So starting in April 13th, they're going to do one state per jurisdiction. So four states centrally. So if you're in New York, Illinois, Florida, California, um, and you do the any of the L codes, there's uh, one, two, three, four, five of those that require prior auth. Um, that starts April 13th. And then in July, they'll add more states. So it'll be four states per jurisdiction. And then in October, it'll be national. So they'll um, they'll add all the states in by October. So all the um, orthosis codes that are in there, um, those five codes, don't, even though they require prior off, don't confuse that with what is truly required is, which is following the policy. So following the coverage criteria that still exists, you still have to follow all of the information that's out there in those LCDs. Um, and then you submit that for a prior auth, which is, as I said, it's it's a good thing because then you know if medical necessity has been met. Um, there are some hiccups with this that we actually discussed in our council meetings with the DME Max and um, CMS was on, on those calls as well, is those hospital discharges and consignment closets. So hospital discharges for those patients that maybe had a surgery on their knee or back, and now they need one of those braces, is now going to require prior off. And you can't, if you want Medicare to pay for it, you have to have that prior off confirmed or what they call affirm, so it's approved, um, before you deliver it. So we're waiting to hear what, how they'll handle that because we raised that red flag to um, the CMS folks to say this is a concern. And then obviously consignment closets because these are closets are in with those ortho docs and it just makes it a seamless process for them to be able to dispense that brace on the patient. Well, now there's a prior off. So we'll see what the de more, what the details will include when they, as we get closer to those timeframes, I'm assuming we'll hear more within the next few weeks or so on those details. So that's the prior off on the orthoses um, area. Okay, and can we talk a little bit more about the face-to-face -face and the WOPD requirements as well? Yeah, absolutely. I'd like to talk about that. The um, so the face-to-face, -face, you know, as we we talked earlier, and you know, I know we're going round and round on some of these things, but it is it is confusing. We're trying to keep it as as in line as we can. But items that require a face-to-face, -face, you know, exactly what it says again, require a face-to-face -face with the ordering practitioner. And there's some stipulations there, which again, we'll dig a lot deeper in our webinar, which will be coming up in the near future. Um, the WOPD, you know, written order prior to delivery, uh, that has to be in hand, just as it says, written order prior to delivery. Uh, items that don't require a WOPD can be delivered without a written order uh, based off of verbal. And then of course, uh, providers, you have to follow up with a written order prior to billing. So that's kind of the difference between them. Uh, certain items require a, a WOPD and, and certain don't. Uh, this has changed or will change, you know, when this implementation takes place. And you just have to be aware of that. What, one thing I do want to add in, it's not part of uh, this talk necessarily, but I just had a question on it this morning in my email about the standard written order compared to the written order prior to delivery. You know, we have the SWO out there. It, it's the same thing. The SWO can serve as the written order prior to delivery 
if you have it in hand prior to delivery. So there's not two separate documents here, um, you know, as far as that goes. And again, look for our webinar announcement. We'll, we'll dig a lot deeper and show examples of this. Yeah, and I'll just add to that as well as if you're looking for even some of the language that exists on the face-to-face and all the orders, it's in the standard documentation requirements or what we call the SDR. That has been out there for several years as well. And that's where they'll reference everything that we're talking about. So if you go to the um, standard documentation requirements, it's one of the, they call it a policy. So it's attached to all the LCDs. They all have this requirement. Um, That's where you'll find information about the face-to-face visit and all the different orders, obviously, and there's more information in there. But that language existed in there waiting for this release to come out on these codes for the orthoses um, with the the requirements for those. So um, just a reference for everybody. Yes, great. Thank you. And I can put a link to that in the show notes as well so they can, can find it a little bit easier. Okay, so there is no doubt there has been a little bit of confusion with everything going on here, but there's also been some um, gray lines about delivery timeframes for prior authorization items as well as non-prior auth items. So let's talk about this. Rhonda, I'm going to start with you. And then Dan, if you're lucky, you can maybe squeak a word in. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. Yes. We'll see if we have time for Dan. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm on the bench, ready to go. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) So um, this is a common question that Dan and I get a lot. And even in our presentations, we share this because there is confusion. So when you have an item that's under prior auth, CMS will also set the time frame and say, now that this is under prior auth, you have X amount of time to deliver the item. Example would be group two support services. So those of you, you that do those codes, like an EO277, once you have that approval for prior off, you have a month from then to get that patient, that product. Every product will be different. So those products under the L codes under the orthoses category, we don't know what that delivery time frame is yet, but there will be one because that's that will be a requirement. They can determine that because um, what the time frame is because it can be different based off the products. PMDs will be a little bit different. If it's not a prior auth item, example I will use because this is a common one I get all the time is oxygen and CPAP. Oxygen is not a prior auth. CPAP is not a prior auth. While it's on that potential master list, there's no requirements yet for a required list. However, Mike, the question I get a lot for CPAP is I have to deliver it within six months. Well, no, you don't. If you get an order today, that order is good for the next year. That order is valid for a year. So you don't have to deliver it within six months. What happens within six months is if it was on a required face-to-face written order prior to, to delivery, that's where the six months comes in as far as when that order is written versus when that face-to-face occurs, not the delivery of the product. The oxygen one I get all the time is and I don't know where people get this from, but they think they have to deliver oxygen within 48 hours of getting the order. And that's not true. It's never been. Back to back in the day when I was a supplier, it was never a, a rule for delivering oxygen within 48 hours. When you get that order, obviously it's oxygen. You want to get it to that patient as quickly as you can. But it's really up to the patient when they want you to come to the home. 
um, so that there's not a rule on that one. So those are just two examples that um, I know it's confusing, but you don't have those delivery timeframes like you would for a prior authorization code. So hopefully that made sense. Um, we'll see what if Dan can make some sense out of it all too. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and that was clear, Rhonda. It is. It's it's difficult to explain because there's a lot of different different items, different delivery timeframes. But this is a very common question uh, daily, almost now. Uh, so I'm going to kind of summarize it for mobility at least, and you know can apply to other items as well. So for mobility, currently power wheelchairs have prior off. That's a requirement condition of payment. So you have six months. This is for power wheelchair bases now. You have six months from the date on the letter, on the prior auth approval letter to deliver the product. If you don't deliver within that time frame, you got to start all over. Uh, for scooters right now, since they're not prior auth today, you have a year from the order date, not the date of the face-to-face. -face. That doesn't apply at all. I've had, I had a question about that last week, that someone thought they had to start the process over on a scooter because they didn't have it delivered within six months from the date of the face-to-face. -face. That has nothing to do with it. So it's a year from the date of the order. Now, when scooters go live on prior auth on April 13th, they'll have six months to deliver from the date on the prior auth letter. All other items, like Rhonda said, unless it's a stipulated in policy, it's a year from the order date to deliver. So not from the date of the face-to-face. -face. So I, you know, again, I hope that helps manual chairs. I have people asking about complex rehab manual. When do I have to deliver that? Same thing a year from the order date, from the standard written order date to deliver. Great. Thank you. I do I, I do think that will definitely help the, the membership understand a little bit more about that. All right. We are wrapping up here. Any last minute comments that we want to make sure to talk about? And again, we can remind people of the web, webinar coming up here in March, but anything else that we may have forgotten to touch on? I'll just add in there that um, we hope we want to do this podcast, even though we don't have all the details of how like the orthosis codes will work with the prior auth process. We just wanted to share this information to hopefully clear up some of the confusion with all the different lists and the requirements, but we will have it more detailed for our webinar that's in March, but a good reference for everyone. And we'll have the link as well is that MLN article that CMS released. It actually really is a good reference tool and it, you can pull the list and the lists are divided up to what you need. Um, the MLN article is SE2007, so SE20007, and we'll have a link to that as well in this um, with this podcast, so you can look at that and um, just kind of read through it. So, um, but that's what I wanted to share. Thank you. Great, Dan. Anything? Any last comments from you? Uh, I guess I'd just like to say the um, come come to the webinar, join the webinar with us on March 24th. Um, it's before implementation of anything regarding what we talked about today. So again, we're going to dig deeper. We're going to spend a good hour on it. It's from one to two central time and it's um, the, uh, listed out there. We're going to start publishing it soon. So please register for that. And if you have any questions in the meantime, we're both available. Thank you. Thank you, Mandy. Yeah, you're welcome. And thank you too. And hopefully some of those other things will be cleared up by then as well that we're kind of waiting on. So I think that will be a great recap, a, a deeper dive, and then hopefully some updated information as well. Yep. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yep. Thank you guys. You have a great day. You too.
Thank you for listening to Industry Matters. Make sure you never miss an episode by visiting bgm.com slash industry matters podcast or following Industry Matters on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Stitcher.